be a saying around the city, if you're going to New Covenant Ministries Church, you better take your Bibles. Because <laughs> we'd go through 40 or 50 verses in the service. And a few years ago, we stopped doing that, but I felt that come back on me this morning so loud. So, no, no, it's like the teaching anointing. It, it, it is anointing, and, uh, and it's on me today. So that's why, that's why I'm going to get you to participate so that you don't fall asleep on me. John 15, 3. 14, 3, you said. 14, 3, rather. Thanks for keeping me honest. Yeah. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Okay. That's good. Now we need to give it to somebody else to read Revelation chapter, chapter 19, 14, or one of those verses. Revelation 5, 1, 5, and 6 is good, but Revelation, yeah, uh, nineteen fourteen. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Doesn't say anything about ruling or reigning. Gave it the wrong verse. How about Revelation 1, 5, and 6? We'll find something that works if we keep digging. <laughs> Yeah. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God there we and go. his Father. To him be yeah. glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So what I wanted to point out to you is um, the fact that there's two different things happening there. There's one where we're going to heaven to be with him. And there's another one where we're coming to earth to rule and reign with him. So if you don't rightly divide, you know, Timothy 2.15 says, study to show yourself approved, rightly divide in the word of truth. If you don't rightly divide it, you get the whole thing all mixed up. It's kind of like you read Matthew 25, talking about the five wise and five foolish, foolish virgins. The church isn't even on the earth when that happens. But if you don't know that, you can get boggled down in it. So today we're going to start unfolding some of that. Starting in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and verse 9. Now, when you think about how God operates, if you'll just look at nature, the rivers run down into the sea, the sun evaporates the water, takes it up, it bumps the mountains with the cloud, comes back down into the river and goes back into the sea, and it just goes in cycles. And so does your life. So does the solar system. And in Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 9, it says, the thing that has been is the thing that shall be, and there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. So anybody says they got something new for you? There's nothing new under the sun. If it's new, it's a lie. But there's a truth in here that you can learn. Like, for example, um, back in Noah's day in, in Genesis 6, 3, uh, God said to Noah, Noah, my spirit will not always strive with man. The number of his days will be 120 years, right? So 120 years after that, the flood came. But if you can also hook that up to 120 jubilee years, after 6,000 years, the Lord returns again. Or after six days, they marched around Jericho and the walls fell down. Another type and a shadow of that same thing, right? 
You see that? How about David? He was betrayed by his best friend, his war counselor, Ahithophel. Jesus was betrayed by his friend, Judas. And so the thing that has been is the thing that will be, and there's nothing new under the sun. So unless you break the cycle in your own life, you keep going around, the same things keep coming up over and over again until you make the change. Got it? Okay. So everything's rotating in cycles. Amen. I'm just thrilled to know that. <laughs> where will we go now? I know where we'll go now. Let's go to um, let's go to Matthew 17. What I really want to zero in on the conclusion of our sermon is when the Lord said, no one knows the day or the hour that he returns. But you need to know who he was talking to. And I'm going to show you today how you're going to know when he's coming. Okay? Yeah. Now, we already know that it's Rosh Hashanah. We know that he's coming at the, the, at, in the festival of Rosh Hashanah. Because in, in Matthew's gospel, it says after six days. And then in Luke's gospel, it says after eight days. There's only one day, actually there's two, one day, Rosh Hashanah is a 48-hour day. God can do that if he wants to, right? Anyway, let's read this. After six days, and also after 6,000 years, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to, up to a mountain to bring them into a high mountain apart. Now, if you go to Israel they'll take you up to a mount called the Mount of Transfiguration. But if you read your Bible, you find out that he talks about a mountain of his own. It, wasn't, it was a spiritual place. It wasn't a natural place, okay? Uh, so, so it says here he was transfigured. That's the glory. That's the glory. When I think about that, I think about Colossians 3. We'll also appear with him in the glory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it says he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine like the sun. Now, imagine if that happened in your day in Isaiah 61, where you rise and shine, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Can you imagine the light on your face drawing a crowd to you? Moses had to cover up, put over a veil over his head. That was the Old Testament, okay? And he was trans. This is a supernatural book, and we're going to see supernatural things if you wait to see things in the natural. It takes the supernatural. There's a big election in the States on Tuesday, but if you think that's going to change the world, I'm not saying it won't help. I'm just saying, I'm saying only God, the Prince of Peace. Anyway, he was transfigured before them. His face did shine like the sun, and his raiment was white like light. And when you go to Israel and you go in those old, old uh, churches over there, every one of them has the disciples with a halo over their head. Whether they're out fishing or no matter what they're doing, what were they seeing then that we haven't seen since? You know, it's kind of like it's Cyril Sparks' day, birthday today, and I was thinking, one of the words for weos, son of God, Romans 8.14, weos, is sparks from the flame. No, but that's who you are. You're a, he's the flame, but you're the spark from the flame. You're part of him. 
and I'm going to pump you up. So he was transfigured before them. His face did shine like the sun, his raiment, even his clothing, turned white like light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elisha talking with him. Well, Moses represents the righteous dead. And Elijah represents we that are alive and remain. Moses died and he was buried. And Elisha, we know he was caught up into heaven in a whirlwind in Kings chapter 2, right? And by the way, when he was caught up, every prophet in the land said, don't you know that today your master's leaving? They all knew it. So you're not going to be taken by surprise. He's coming as a thief in the night to the world, but not to you. Amen. But let's look at Moses, the righteous dead, over in Deuteronomy 34. I want to show you where he was buried. Very specific. Verse 1, it says, Moses went up from the plains of Moab onto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah over against Jericho. Then we drop down to verse 5 and it says, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in the land of Moab on the plains of Moab, and he was buried in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor, but no man knew where he was buried until this day. Right? So nobody knew where he was. And yet, he shows up in Matthew 17. So let's go to Jude verse 9 and let's make some sense out of this. Michael the archangel came and got Elisha in a chariot of fire, but he also picked up Moses along the way. Verse 9, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, for he disputed over the body of Moses. Well, when did this happen? It happened in 2 Kings chapter 2 when he came to get Elisha. Can you prove that? Yeah, well, we're working on it. He said he came and disputed over the body of Moses. It wouldn't make any sense if it didn't happen when, when we say and it happened. Now let's go to, we, let's really go to 2 Kings chapter 2 and put this thing on high, okay? And we don't let me forget to get back to Matthew 17 because we have Jesus and Moses and Elisha there standing there waiting for us to finish with them. So yeah. Okay, and it came to pass. 2 Kings 2 and verse 1, when the Lord should take up Elijah in heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha to Gilgal. Elijah said unto Elisha, I wish they called, could have called him Fred and Barney or something, it would have been easier to read. Tarry here, I pray, uh, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, as the Lord lives and my soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. Now, they started out, I need a, you have a towel or something? I, I feel like Brian Bork up here. I need a towel to preach. I got to take my time. I can't hurry with this because there's several messages here in one. No, you, you could take Second Kings chapter 2. Pastor Paul preached on it a while ago, and it was a great message. You could get anywhere in the Bible. You, if you can't get a dozen messages, you haven't read it yet. And here's the thing. If you ever find yourself... If you ever find yourself in this place, like I have had people in grade four question God, 
question the character of God because of their little understanding of what God really is all about. And so God's not fair. Don't ever, ever say that. He, he's just, and he, you know, we don't serve him out of religious obligation. Like I said, we serve him out of honor and respect. And when you think that he's not telling you the truth, talk about disrespect, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not true. This word is forever settled in heaven. Heaven and earth will pass away, he said, but my word will not pass away. So you better know that this is the truth. And if you don't understand it, that's up to you. And maybe you just need to realize you're in grade four. Maybe you want the car, but the parents don't want to give it to you right now because they know you'd kill yourself. So revelation is progressive too. There's things that you don't need to know right now. There's probably more than you need to know than you know right now. But anyway, Gilgal. Gilgal is a circle, and it means, and it really represents, when you read it, it means going around in circles. Have you ever done that? No, you get weary. The same worries, the same limited spirituality. There you are in Gilgal. But the sons of the prophets that were in Bethel came forth to Elisha and said, don't you know that today your master will be taken away from you? You will know that day too. If the sons of the prophets, and they weren't like, they were studying the anointing, they weren't following the anointing like Elisha. And even studying the anointing, they realized the hour they were living in, which is very un, very much not like the church today. The church today, still playing. Still playing, talking about what you're going to do next year, what you're going to do this, that, the other thing. You don't even know if you got next year. You don't even know if you got next week. No, but this is a time to be serious about the things of the Spirit of God, not just, you know, adding Him to your life somewhere. Seek first the kingdom of God. When, God? First. Can you get that son? Can you get that daughter? First. What do you mean by that? First. The kingdom of God and His method of operation, His way of doing things. Acknowledge him in all your ways, Proverbs 3 says, and he will direct your steps. He said, you're after all the things that the Gentiles are after. And he said, if you just put me first, all these things that the Gentiles are chasing would simply be added onto you. Stop chasing the blessing. Stop chasing the blessing and hang out with the blesser. No, like never before, press into God. Like never before. This is a serious time. I was telling somebody the other night, and I probably told this a bunch of times. When I was in Israel walking through the, down to Cana in the back road, and I came to a sign that said minefield, stay in the middle of the road. You know what I did? I stayed in the middle of the road, but most of the church doesn't. Most of the churches out there blowing up, they'll go, there goes another one. Now, I, I met with Pastor Bill and Debbie Arsenal on, on Wednesday for breakfast, and we spent a few hours talking about our experience as pastors. And the people, the number of people that goofed off and sloughed off and thought they were going to be okay. Don't be one of those. Be a doer and not a hearer only. Don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself into thinking you're all right. Hey, if you're here today, you're not all right. That's why you're here. Be kind, okay. Be kind to your web-footed friends. Uh, 
<laughs> Help me, Lord. Okay, the next place they go is Bethel, right? Anyway, we, we need to read it the way Pastor Paul read this verse 3. He said, uh, they said, don't you know your master's being taken away? And Paul said, yeah, shut up. Remember that? Shut your mouth. <laughs> no, it was kind. It was just factual. No, we read, hold your peace, but what do you think he really said? I know what he really said. Ah, shut up. I've been following this guy for 20 years, pouring water on his hands and serving him day and night, and you're there criticizing me? Shut up. And Elijah said, <laughs> unto Elijah, Terry here, and we're going, no, I missed Bethel, didn't I? Yeah. We went from Gilgal. We did Gilgal, and we went to Bethel, right? Have we done Bethel? We haven't done, done Bethel. Well, Bethel, Bethel, is, um, Bethel is, can be found in Genesis chapter 28, and it's where they got a vision of God. And that's where most churches stop. They stop in Bethel. They build a denomination there, right? It was a defining moment. Lots of denominations stopped there, where Wesleyans, where Baptists, where this, where that, the other thing. No, keep going. There's a whole other kingdom. There's so much more there, but you got to cross Jordan to get there. And I remember Kenneth E. Hagin saying one time, he said, he said, I'm just now entering the second or the third phase of my ministry. He was 80. He talked about casting his care upon the Lord, and he was using the old, do you remember the old fly paper that used to come down from the ceiling and had that gooey stuff on it? He said, cast your care on the Lord is like that. He said, you try to get rid of it, and then you take it off in the other hand, and then you try to get rid of it over there. He said, it really takes a lot of work to cast your care upon the Lord, but the Lord wouldn't have said you could do it, to do it if you couldn't do it. It requires effort. So Bethan is a place, a place of a vision of God, a defining moment from God. And now we're going to go from there to Jericho. Now Jericho is not a fun place. Right? At, at this time in their lives, it wasn't anyway. Elijah said, on, Elijah said unto Elisha, stay here. And I, I have to go to Jericho. He said, as long as I'm alive and my soul lives, I'll not leave you. So he came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets in that land said unto Elisha, don't you know that the Lord will take your master away this day? If they, but here's the thing. Why weren't they all? Why weren't they all following him? And it's like when you go to the parable of the sower in Mark 4.13. 75% of the people that go to church get nothing. Zero. He's, the three different types of soil, it's not until you get to the some 30, some 60, some 100 fold in the, in the seed that's sown in good ground. Make sure you're good ground. How do you, how do you be good ground? Well, you do what's right because it's right. You know, there's, there's never... There's never uh, an excuse or a time for doing anything wrong. You just be, if you just do right, you'll be right. Do the right thing before God. How about it this way? There's never a right time to do the wrong thing, and there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. If you do right, you'll be happy. 
Listen to me. If you do the right thing, you'll be happy. If you don't, you won't. But whose responsibility is it? Huh? I was reading a story about a, a uh, football coach that was a very successful coach at Notre Dame, and they put up a statue of him in the courtyard. He said, now the pigeons use it for a place to poop. I thought, that's, that's just the way that it is. You know, what you do for God is the only thing that counts. What you're doing in the world doesn't matter a thing. They can give you accolades and pat you on the back, and the day after you're gone, they'll forget you. I remember Ed Dixon telling that, Ed Dixon, Ed Dufresne saying that to me. He said, Pastor Gary, I want to tell you something. He said, the day you drop dead, you'll have somebody else in the pulpit the next day, and you'll be forgotten. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I know that that's the way it works. But you don't make a big deal out of who you are. You make a big deal out of who he is, right? <laughs> and thank God for the friends that, that he puts in your path. Like I said, 90% of the people that you tell your problems to don't care. But in a church like this, it's not like that. It's not like that. At least it shouldn't be. I, no, I don't feel like it is. I felt like we went through that phase in different places and different times in our lives. But here on Friday night, that was a reunion for Pastor Carlo and Pastor Ed. All those people grew up in our church. They came out of our church. Those kids slept under the, under the chairs in the sanctuary. So what we saw on Friday night was a part of your seed. And we didn't like the fact that they were leaving, but if they hadn't left, this wouldn't have happened. God's doing stuff. God does things, and he doesn't do it according to our... Anyway, all I know is Friday night was like a family reunion. It just, oh, hallelujah, just so awesome. And where are we in, uh, in, in uh, Jericho? Okay. So Jericho is the place where the giants live. And so it's time to face your giant, basically, what he's saying there. Jericho is, and the walls of Jericho were tightly shut up, and none went out, and none went in. The border to the promises land, the border to the promised land, is the same as the border to your promises land. You got to take out your giants. You, you got to go to Numbers uh, 13 and kill the grasshopper so you can kill the giant. He said, there are giants and we were grasshoppers in our sight. Don't see yourself as an inferior. You're a child of the king. You're a weos, the sparks that fly upward. You're the, the reflection of his glory. Just like the moon reflects the sun, you're a reflection of God's glory. Hallelujah. So shine on. So anyway, so you get, you get to... Uh, Jericho, and that's where you really should go from being a miracle seeker to a miracle worker. No, but it's like, you know, lots of times we want to touch the hem of his garment. And really what we should be doing is wearing the garment. And I know you don't get there overnight, I know that, but we need to go from miracle seeker to miracle worker. And the only way that we can go that is to find out who we are in him. Ephesians 2, 6 is so powerful. It says, I'm already seated together in the heavenlies, in him, in Christ. 
He said, set your intelligence on the things that are above and not the things of the earth, for you're dead. Your life is here with God in Christ, and when Christ, your, who is your life, shall appear, you'll appear with him. You'll appear with him in the glory. Like when he comes back, when he comes back the first time, he's not coming back for the world. He's coming back for you, and you're going to go and be in heaven with him for seven years. Then you're going to come back here and rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years with him. So, but again, we would need to make sure we don't get those two, the two events mixed up. So here we are in Jericho. What is a giant? A giant is anything that scares you, distracts you, keeps you away from your promises. You know, he said, I've given you exceeding great and precious promises that you may partake of my divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. The promises are there just like the promised land was there, but they wouldn't go in and possess the promised land. Will you go in and possess the promises? Because if you do, you're going to have to kill some giants, and maybe the giant you've got to kill is you. Know you not that the Lord will take you, your master away from you today. And he answered and said, yeah, I know it. I serve the anointing. You just study it. You don't know much about it at all. Well, those are not his words. Those are mine. Yeah. And Elijah went and on to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord lives and my soul lives, I will not leave you. And the two went on. The 50 sons and daughters are the same story. And Elijah, Elijah took up the mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided here and there. And the two went over on dry ground. It came to pass after they went over that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I will do for you. He said, I want a double portion of your anointing. And you know what? He got it. Exactly a double portion. As a matter of fact, it's fun to read out because it looked like he missed one. His bones were buried in a cave and somebody threw a soldier in on his bones and the guy came back to life. So that was the 24th miracle, I think. Anyway. It came to pass as they went over that Elisha, he said, ask, Elijah said, what can I do for you? Elisha said, I want the double portion of your spirit upon me. Hmm. I didn't want my own ministry. <laughs> I want my own show. And he said, I want a double portion of what you had. Because he realized that the anointing, without the anointing, none of us can do anything. Without the anointing, it's like, Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You're not strong in yourself. But if you're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, you can get it done. So as it says, and it came to pass as they went on, they talked. There appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted between the both of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind to heaven. And you know where that happened? Right at the spot where Moses was buried. Matter of fact, I looked it up on my maps yesterday or the day before just to have some fun with it. I said, look at that. The two of them went on together. The one that represents the righteous dead and the one that represents we that are alive and remain. Matthew chapter 17. Verse 2, And he was transfigured before them. His face did shine like the sun. Raiment was white as light. And there appeared unto him Moses and Elisha talking with him. Then he answered, and said unto them, then he then answered Peter, <laughs> come on, Peter, you got to love Peter. No, you really do. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus is walking on the water. Peter sees him and says, 
Hey, is that you? I'd like to try that too. Can you imagine? He said, if that's you out there, just tell me to come. The rest of them were trembling in the boat, and he wasn't. It wasn't until he began to look at his circumstances that he began to sink, right? Don't look at your circumstances. Hear the word, come. Then Peter said, Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. <laughs> Let's just live right here, right in this spot right here. And then it says, while he yet spoke, God will interrupt you. While he yet, yet spoke a bright cloud, the holy cloud, the glory cloud, we haven't seen it like we're going to see it. This is not some soup. This is like during Azusa Street, they would kids were playing hide-and-go-seek in the glory cloud. Don't think that this is just back in the day. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean you're not going to. Well, that sounds spooky to me. What are signs and wonders? He said, I'll do signs and wonders in your sight. What's a wonder? Well, I wonder what that was. <laughs> wow, I wonder what that was. But see, if, you, if you're not trained in it, you'll, you'll dismiss a lot of the things that God does. I know that for sure because I've done it myself. Not to brag on my stupidity, I won't tell you any stories. But while he yet spoke, the cloud overshadowed him, and behold, the voice out of the cloud, and said, Peter, shut up. No, he did. He said, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Listen to him, Peter. He's got something to tell you. So let's go to Thessalonians chapter 4. Whenever I read verse 13, it makes me laugh, though, because I think of Charles Capps' daughter when she used to pray. I would not have you, ignorant brethren. <laughs> anyway, it's not to do with that. He said, the, the Lord said, I want, I want you to know this. I don't want you to be ignorant of this, brethren, concerning those that are asleep. Now, when you're dead, you're dead. But when you're asleep in Christ, it's a different thing. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus Christ will God bring with him. For this I say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, Elisha, Elisha left the earth and didn't die, we that are alive and remain shall not prevent or go ahead of those that are asleep, Moses. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We always thought that was the Baptist, but probably not. Anyway, oh, it's getting bad here. Groan, groan, groan. Stick with the message and get it done. Okay. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together in the glory cloud to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. Chapter 5. But other times in the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I would write to you. For you yourselves know that the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. 
For when they shall say, not us, when they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction shall come upon them like the travail upon the woman with child. And they will not escape. But you, but you, I should get somebody to read this. Give that microphone to somebody, Nancy, please. Put somebody on the spot. Chapter 5, verse 4. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Yes. Go on, continue. You are the children of the light and the children of this day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Yeah, stop right there for a second and read um, Luke 21, 34. I'm going to put James to work over there. Where's goodness? Out in the car? Huh? Home. A second. Their dog's name is Goodness. So when I said D-O-G, they saw goodness at home in favor. Their two dogs are goodness in favor. Yeah. Verse 34, he says, And take heed yourselves, lest you at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffering, surfeiting, surfeiting, and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unaware. Unawares. So the only way that you'll be unaware of this is if you're, you know, surfeiting in drunkenness, it's like drugs and alcohol, or it's like drunk and hung over. But then he compared that with the cares of this life and said that that was just as intoxicating as the other two. So you might think, well, I don't drink and I don't smoke. Yeah, but if you're worried all the time, you're intoxicated and you miss what God has in your life. No, you miss it. That's why this praise and worship, Praise and worship, don't ever dismiss it and come in here and think, oh, I'll be glad when the singing's over. If, I, I, no, I knew a guy that said that one time. I said, you got to be nuts, man. He enters gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, and you're missing it. You're not even getting to first base. You can't even come into the, the, Lord's, into the throne room of God unless you do the proper. There is a protocol in the kingdom of God. Amen. Then when he says rejoice in the Lord always, I said this to him a few times. Can I wait till tomorrow? None of you have ever said that. I don't feel like praising him today. Well, you know, Pastor Carlo used to sing a song, there's only two times to praise the Lord when you feel like it. That's such a true song. And it's when you don't that you release your faith. It takes faith to praise the Lord when everything sucks. It takes faith to praise the Lord in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 8, when you're perplexed but not in despair, cast down but not destroyed. It wasn't a good day, Paul was saying, but he said this. He said, he said, these, how could he ever say this? These light afflictions, which are but for a moment, because he sees eternity. He knows that whatever I go on through on this earth is nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed in me. This is just a stopover point. And in fact, he said, your life is like grass, not the kind you smoke, but, but grass. He said, it comes up in the sun and then the sun dries it out and the wind blows it away. We make a big deal about life, but life is just a moment compared to eternity. And so don't jam up all your life. You're, you're living into this life. Plan for the future. 
you know, we went to the bank a few years ago and made some investments for retirement, which we're never going to do anyway. But I thought, how many people do that and never plan for eternity? How many people I have known in my life that have retired and dropped dead because they had no purpose anymore? They lost their purpose. They lost their zeal for getting up. They got bored and off they went. Don't be that person. Plan your future. Hallelujah. How can I plan my future, Lord? Well, you find out what it is I've anointed you to do and do that. You will be judged for what I anointed you to do, not for what you've done. Like I know people that are in business that were called to full-time ministry. And so they've been very successful in business, but when they get to heaven, when they get to stand before the King of Kings, when they get up there in front of him in John 14, 3, what did you do with the anointing I gave you? And so then my Bible tells me that you get rewards based on, you're not ever going to go to hell if you're a Christian, but you're going to get rewards based on, on, he said, some are gold, silver, and precious stones, and he said the others just stubble. So make sure that what you're doing is for him and not for, for you. Okay. Where was I? Oh, yeah, James. James, can you uh, read verse 7 now? 21? Uh, no, Thessalonians 5. Go back just a second. Yeah, we're going back and forth. We're going everywhere preaching the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 4. 5. 5 verse 7. 7. For they are asleep. For they that are asleep, sleep at night. For they that are in dark are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet the hope of salvation. Amen. Keep on. For God has not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as this also ye do. That's good. You can stop right there. Comforting one another and edifying one another with these words. Now we need to go to Second Thessalonians chapter two. Give the mic to somebody else, Nance. I don't want to burn James out. No, no. I got to tell you, James. You know, I was talking with Nancy this morning, and I torment her relentlessly. I it just and here she is. She had dental surgery on Wednesday, and I'm still pecking on her. And I said, Nancy, I know that it's not right, but I've been wired that way for so long. If I really like you, I'll torment you relentlessly. And I'm trying to stop doing it. Maybe I'm not trying hard enough. Okay, you can decide. You can decide that for yourselves. We better wind this down. Let's let's read these couple of verses. Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians 2. Did you get the microphone, somebody? Not very far. Verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the tradition which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, whom has loved us and given us everlasting consolation consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Excellent. Amen. We're not done, but we're stopping there. So praise the Lord. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.